0: Hello everybody, episode number six of the Locked On Nationals podcast. My name is Josh Neighbors, part three of our National League East preview. We have Dylan Short of the Locked On Braves podcast with me today. Dylan, thank you for joining me. Ah, my pleasure. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot here. It's a uh, cold and windy Friday morning here in our nation's capital. But uh, the Braves, you know, I I was excited to do this one the most for a couple reasons. You and I were talking before the show, and I had mentioned how I'm a pretty big college sports fam and the Braves have this weird fandom uh is that the Braves fans is this odd intersection between a lot of Georgia I would say some Auburn in there too um football fans and Auburn's you know Georgia and Auburn sports in general and also baseball fans as well too and they have this very uh, both those teams Auburn and Georgia and I mentioned those because those are the, the two largest state universities um besides Georgia Tech, but you know, the, the biggest SEC schools closest to Atlanta. And those teams are very used to getting close to the mountaintop, but not quite uh, getting over the hump. And the Braves, they seem to have that too. You told me before the show, it's been how many years since they've won a playoff series? I think it's
1: 18 years since they've won their last playoff series. And um we uh we have a nice little running joke here in Georgia. It's like the state motto is "Don't worry, eventually it's gonna eventually this will happen." Um, <laughs> I've, I've equated it to, to it's it's kind of similar to being a Cleveland sports fan, except Cleveland always sucks, so they like they never get to that point where it's so crushing and disappointing. For Atlanta, it's almost worse because you get to the top of the mountain and you're right there. Like, you talk about the 28 to three, talk about the 10 run first inning. Like, you get to the point where you are the better team. You're right there. You're about to lift the curse. And then somehow it just falls apart. Georgia and the Natty in 2017, same way. It's just, for whatever reason, the sports gods hate the state of Georgia.
0: Yeah. I don't know what it is, and I think what's really interesting. I've been I've been thinking about this a lot lately, is that you know you see a lot of teams across sports, and I'm not sure how much of a hockey fan you are, but you know think about this: the Washington Capitals in 2018 eventually get over the hump, right? The St. Louis Blues the same way last year. The 2019 Washington Nationals are the same way too. Is that you know it hits a certain point where you kind of had the "it's our year" vibe two or th- maybe twice, maybe, you know, even three times. And then it always seems to be the year after that is where the team can get over the hump. But the Braves are actually the exception to that because they've had so much success on the front end of seasons, but they've lacked it in the back end. So they're kind of the exception, I think, team-wise of his team. It's been not, you know, not close uh, 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 for a few times. They've been close a lot, but not able to close out the, de- you know, close it out.
1: I mean, you talk about the 90s Braves and and almost in the same breath, you have to bring up the 90s Bills because you got to the mountaintop four times in the 90s. And quite honestly, the year that you had like the 96 Braves were actually the best Braves squad of the entire decade. Uh, Early on, like the Braves, the Braves kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. Like everybody knows that we had the three Hall of Famers with Maddox, Glavin and Smoltz. Mm -hmm. But having those guys and Steve Avery for a while and even Kent Marker for a minute and um, uh, Kevin Mulholland for a little bit as well, like it kind of masked the fact that or Kevin Millwood, not Mulholland. I don't know what I was thinking there, Uh, (laughs) but it kind of masked the fact that for a lot of those 90s runs, the offenses really weren't that great. Like, yeah, you had Chipper and at some points you had Javi and Andrew Jones was always a monster in the playoffs and it's still a shame that he's not in the Hall of Fame, but. Overall, your lineup structures for the Braves and those, they were very, very much pitching oriented. And that's kind of why now I'm such an advocate of offense wins you championships. You need enough pitching to to get you by, but it's all about scoring runs. It's just why everybody kind of, you, you get these weird sections of, um, older fans. I'll say, uh, the boomer class, I'll say, or, <laughs> uh, you know, baseball is one of these that's, like, the most resistant to change. So everybody always likes to repeat that mantra, the defense and pitching wins championships. That hasn't been true since, like, the 2014 Royals. And if you go back and look, like, if, if you want to be if you want to be a top-notch team, you can even look at the Nationals last year. Like, it's not just Scherzer and Strasburg. Yeah, Strasburg was great for, like, the first time ever. Um, but it was the offense, you know, propelled by Rendon and Soto and – Robles being timely and and the the overall ability of that lineup to score runs that that that's what finally got them over the hump as a Braves fan I like what they've done with the offense so I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that the Braves will win a World Series in the next three years Uh, it's just a just a matter of, of getting over that whole Braves vibe
0: yeah you know I was I was saying this in September last year I thought the Braves and the Yankees were kind of the two teams that I thought were going to meet in the World Series. I just They, they had those vibes to them. And I, I think anybody, you know, when it comes down to picking baseball, especially towards the, the end of the season, it's very difficult to predict what's going to happen. Um, but I, I just love the kind of the swagger and the way the Braves were playing last year, and they just have this vibe about them that I think a lot of teams had, um, you know, winning teams. You, you mentioned the offense, and I think that's, that's where we're going to start again. It's going to be another really good offense this year. Um, Josh Donaldson is the one thing that is not going to be there this season that they had last season. What is the plan at third base? Because uh, guess what? It's not the only team in the league. There seems to be a lot of teams in the league that that are struggling with their third base scenario. Uh, The Nationals are one of those teams as well, too.
1: Third base is one of those that – now, after they signed Marcelo Zuna, that kind of of eased the need a little bit because it was more about getting a cleanup hitter to replace Donaldson in the lineup more than getting a third baseman. Uh, Johan Camargo and Austin Riley both struggled very badly last season, but Camargo, you can look at his 2018 and you can see more in line of what he is, which is a very plus defender. One of the best arms in baseball and a guy that offensively will get on base a lot. Cause he'll take his walks, uh, has enough power to get by as well. I believe he had 19 homers in 2018, which was a three and a half F war year for him. If you're into F war, um, I would expect Camargo is going to start. I know Alex Anthopoulos, uh, is bullish on Camargo, Uh, I know they feel like Snickers' unwillingness to platoon hurt Camargo a lot. A lot of it with Camargo happened to be with his batting stance last year. His batting stance is very timing-based. There's a lot of moving parts in that swing. Uh, His bat likes to rest on his shoulder, almost dipped down a little bit. It's kind of similar to Trevor Story, and he's got a big leg kick along with it. Uh, So when you're not playing that often, you're not seeing a lot of at-bats, your timing kind of gets off, and, and you don't get your foot down in time. So you saw a lot of that. When Camargo was sent down to AAA, they started adjusting his swing a little bit to kind of help ease the timing factor. And he started raking again. And he started raking again when he came back to the majors. Granted, it was only two weeks before he broke his or cracked his shin. But uh, I know Alex, all throughout this offseason and, and from uh, the guys that I've spoken to, uh, they, they very much believe in Johan Camargo. I do think that they'll start the season with Camargo. I think Riley will start in Gwinnett. But Riley's a season removed from being like the 25th best prospect in all of baseball. They, yep. they know the power's there. Uh, he's got a fantastic glove as well. I, I know they like Austin Riley a lot as well. They're, I think they feel, I'll say, content with third base. I won't say that they're ecstatic or that they won't upgrade if the opportunity presents itself. Uh, but I think as of today, I think I think they're content to roll into opening day with, with uh, Camargo or Riley at third base.
0: And then you look at kind of the the, the pitching scenario. I think that's the, the next place you have to move. Because offensive output, you're not expecting much of a drop, are you?
1: No. No, Ozuna's going to be a small drop from Donaldson. Um, I mean, if you look at Ozuna, you got to figure out with Ozuna how much of it was Busch Stadium, how much of it was was bad luck. Because if you look at his, uh, his stat cast data, there aren't many players that hit the ball as hard as Marcelo Ozuna. Uh, But for the last two seasons, he's been the most he's been the unluckiest hitter in Major League Baseball. If you look at his stats versus his expected stats, Uh, the question is, is that just one of those weird things? That's a Marcelo Zuna thing, or or is that more just bad luck? I don't think he's going to be 2017 Marcelo Zuna, but I think he's going to be much better than what Bush Stadium was kind of representing him. I think you'll see him in between about 260 to 270. I think you'll see him hit about 30 I think 30 to 33 homers is a good bet, about 90 ribbies. Uh, the defense should play a little bit better this year as he's another year removed from shoulder surgery.
0: And look, too, I mean, I, so we see it so often where guys go to places where, you know, there's a lot of success and they instantly fit in. Like, I'm expecting, you know, on the Nationals side of things, Stalin Castro is going to have a really nice season because he's fitting in somewhere, you know, where it's a winner and, and a proven winner, and uh, especially in the ways that the Braves win, which is, um, you know, at the plate – I think that could definitely help him out as well too.
1: It helps a lot, and you don't have to really adjust the lineup anymore. Now you can kind of set it in stone. The other thing that helps the Braves is the addition of Travis Darno over Brian McCann. Um, I've never been a huge Darno guy just because you can't really count on him to stay healthy. But um, last season with Tampa, and granted it's Tampa who turns everybody into superstars, but uh, good lord, I mean he he's a much better bat so i think the additions of darno and and ozuna with the with the additions that it does to the bench by moving marquez and duval to the bench where they probably belong uh, it strengthens your bench and it strengthens your the depth in your lineup more than you had last year cuz last year while the braves had a really good offense it was top heavy i mean once you got past the first four hitters in the lineup it kind of tailed off pretty dramatically this year. You're at least five deep, maybe six, if Dansby can kind of be a little bit more consistent this year. So I'm I'm very happy with the offseason for the Braves.
0: Who is one position player? Because you know it's pretty full as it is at their you know with positionally and their lineup's going to fill out nicely. Who's a young guy that you think you know we casual fans, people like me, you know Nationals fans, they don't know yet, but a name that they're going to know. Uh, and in the Nationals fans' case, probably dislike by the end of the season. Who's going to come in? Who's going to come in and make an impact for the Braves? Somebody that we don't know.
1: Uh, it's more going to be pitcher than position. If it's okay. position, I think this is the year that Dansby kind of gets All consistent. Right. Uh, but but the name that everybody else in the NL East really needs to listen to is uh, Max Freed. Now Max Freed has flashed at times. Uh, he was a big time prospect with San Diego. Uh, ironically enough, played on the same high school team with Lucas Giolito and uh, Jack Flaherty. Mm. Um, but the addition of Cole Hamels is going to do wonders for Max Freed because Freed has, has the best stuff of any Braves arm in the system. Soroka is the name that everybody knows, and rightfully so, because Soroka has an amazing ability to pitch. But Max is the one that can miss bats. Max is the one that has the the higher potential of the two. Uh, and having a guy like Cole Hamels in there who can kind of take Max under his wing, that's a guy that Max is, is often compared to. Uh, Max already has the one of the top curveballs in Major League Baseball. His slider last year ended up being one of the better sliders, and last year was the first year he threw it. So with some natural progression from him, having gone through his first full season as a starter, uh, now that he's got Hamels to kind of work with him a little bit and try to iron out that changeup a little bit, I think Max Fried will be – I think Max Fried will be the guy. I'm not sure if it'll be 2020. I think he's going to take a big step forward. But by 2021, I think you'll see Max Fried leading the rotation.
0: And he is the youngest-looking 26-year-old I've ever seen. He looks like he's about 12 years old.
1: Atlanta did a good—if Atlanta was—if this was a beauty contest, Atlanta would be winning. (laughs) Hamels and Fried and Camargo and Dan. Felix Felix
0: Hernandez.
1: (laughs) You know— we, we we got a good looking squad. I'll give you that. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of men in Atlanta who don't want to let their wives watch too much Braves baseball.
0: <laughs> that's uh, hey. That's good though. You know, that's that's uh, it's always a positive for your team. You can always make the other team feel bad by your good looks. Back to back division titles, and look, I-, I went to the University of Missouri. I was um I was out with a couple friends for that that ten run first inning, um, you know, it just kind of ended. The, the game was really over before it started. For me, uh, everybody is talking about this National League East and how the teams got better, and the Nationals won the World Series, and the Phillies made the switch to Joe Girardi, which, whether or not you love their roster, I think it's going to help them out. Um, He's a winning manager. He's a good manager. Uh, The Mets obviously made a bunch of moves and are are gearing up for a run. I still think the Braves are going to come out like a, a ball of fire this season, and I think they're going to... I mean, I really do think this division could be over by August. I think they're angry. I think they're upset. I think can you maintain that? Eh, you know, it's that's always hard to do. But I think this is a damn good baseball team, and I think they're they are actually head and shoulders the best team in the division. When you consider what everybody else lost, I, I when you consider what the the Nationals lost, especially Anthony Rendon, and the fact that you're bringing back that pitching after kind of logging all those uh, those those innings pitched last season, the Mets still not proven commodities, and they've got to keep everybody healthy, and the staff's got to stay healthy. That's not for sure, but the Braves have this amount of proven success, and I think they're going to come out gangbusters this season. I really think there's there's going to be a chip on their shoulder especially this young group, because it's not like the Braves teams of the past that have kind of got this consistent core of, you know, guys that we know, like your Chipper Jones, your Andrew Jones, like those guys you mentioned. This is a group of young, hungry, swaggering players, and I think that's going to benefit them this season.
1: A lot of the older fan base, or a lot of the national guys, will will try to point to Freddie Freeman as being the franchise face of the Braves. It's not. It's it's Acuna. This is Ronald Acuna's squad. Uh, He is the best player on the team. He is one of the shortlist players in Major League Baseball, and they are from 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 some people I've been in contact with and fairly recently. The Bra- this Braves team they are not happy with the way the last season ended. Nor should they be. Uh, that was embarrassing to lose to the Cardinals the way they did. That Cardinals team had no business being on the same diamond as this Braves team. Talent for talent. Uh, and the Braves held leads in four to five games and right. somehow managed to lose the series. And for Freddie Freeman especially, I would look for a large breakout season for him. I know he's been great before, but I would expect a a, a, a fearsome type of season for him because that that playoff series, that was the worst Freddie has ever played in his entire career. Uh, I don't normally like to, to bag on players too much or, or try to blame a single person for any event. But game four, you really can put solely on the shoulders of freddie freeman you talk about uh a throw from from that if he just had his feet in the correct position on the bag instead of standing on the home plate instead of standing on the front corner of first base like he's standing towards home i don't don't know why he made that mistake instead of on a throw from the outfield everybody knows your foot's on the the back corner of the bag towards the outfield to make the, the throw shorter and to prevent the ball from hitting the runner sliding back in for whatever reason. He just kind of didn't think about that moment. And that cost the Braves a double play that would have won the game. Uh, and then the bottom half of that same inning, you had Acuna on third base with one out. All Freddie had to do was make contact struck out and you know, the Braves give up the lead the next half inning. And, uh, I believe it was, I believe it was, uh, was it Colton Wong? Maybe that, uh, that got a hit off of Shane green. Either that or it was Marcelo Zuna blasting one, which he did a lot to us in that. Season. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, you go to game five even. I mean, that first inning, that 10-run first inning, people kind of forget that early on and that, like, Fulty had a chance to get out of it with one run allowed. There's a ground ball hit right at Freddie that was kind of tailor-made to turn two, and he didn't make the play. And I'm not saying this to bag on Freddie. Because no. the injury the injury was a very big deal for Freddie. Uh, in fact, he just came out at ChopFest and, uh, and admitted that had the Braves won game five, more than likely, he would not have played in the NLCS, uh, which lets you know how badly he was hurt. Because Freddie's kind of known for um, hating days off and and pitching a fit if he's given a day off. So now that he's got that elbow cleaned up. He's he's got a lot to prove this year. And uh, with the way that the Braves responded to the whole Acuna incident, getting hit multiple times in that series, I think that uh, I think this is going to be a different type of attitude for this Braves team. Now, what you said about the Mets. The Mets have a really good-looking squad, but they're the Mets, so somebody's going to come down with like dengue fever uh, because that's that's just what happens when you're a Met. You get some sort of disease that's been
0: eradicated for like 200 years. They had multiple players get <laughs> hand,
1: they had multiple players get hand, foot, and mouth disease last year. Like,
0: yeah, exactly. I f- I feel like scurvy might infect the Mets at some that's point just, this season. You,
1: you can't help but laugh. They had they had a guy get his ankle broken fighting a wild boar. I mean, it's just that ugh. I actually. It's- To tell you the honest truth, the team that worries me the most as a Braves fan, the team that I would keep the eye on the most is the Phillies. Because Everybody, you know, laugh at the Phillies because they signed Harper to $330 million and they only went 81-81. and People kind of forget, man. They lost, like, their entire bullpen. They lost Andrew McCutcheon early. And before McCutcheon went down, the Phillies team looked like a monster. They didn't really have any depth behind McCutcheon. They've done a lot this year that aren't flashy moves. Wheeler is probably the flashiest move they've done pairing Wheeler, who, if you look at his numbers with the Mets, was fantastic and just kind of sucked that the defense behind him was horrible. That Phillies team, man, they're, they're a team that I'm keeping my eye on. For the Nationals, I don't know how you guys kind of lose. I don't know how you get over the the impact of Anthony Rendon. Juan Soto is a monster. Uh, Robles should be better in his second season. But I'm not a big Carter Keboom guy, and I, I don't see him being – I don't see him being that type of impact third baseman that they were looking for.
0: Well, I think what's important about the nationals moving into the season is that look, and I was talking about this, you know, a couple weeks ago in the podcast, they've left themselves some, some flexibility under, underneath the luxury tax in case things don't work out at, for them at third base. They have the flexibility to go and make a move. I would say what worries me the most it's two, it's two things. One is the, the amount of innings pitched last year. I think we see it a lot. You like you just cannot depend on somebody to come back and deliver again after what they were asked to do last season, especially when you consider how bad the bullpens were and how uh, you know Davey Martinez was was totally okay with riding those guys and sometimes even regular season games, riding those guys as long as possible. So I, I think that's the first thing to look, and then yeah, Dylan. I, I think everybody is is going to be thinking about what impact. Anthony Rendon leaving has and how that is something that you will not see until he is until you notice his absence like until the season begins because he was never the most vocal guy but the the effect he had on the team especially I think Juan Soto nobody got the rub off of Anthony Rendon more than Juan Soto being around him in the lineup and you go back to the, that game against the Dodgers when they went back to back just think about having, you know, being Juan Soto, being somebody who is one of the most gifted players in the game and being able to see your teammate, somebody like Anthony Rendon, who is, you know, you are equally talented and you could argue even more talented than Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon is just an incredible worker and a great player. But seeing him do that, that kind of gives you the confidence to know that you can go up there and do the same thing. And it's things like that that I think we don't take into account. You know, there's, there's really hard to place a statistical value on things like that. Um, and I know, yes, a lot of stuff can't be quantified by numbers, but those are the two things I think we're going to, you know, one numerical with the innings pitched, and then one with the, you know, the Rendon effect, if you will, that kind of quiet effect um, that he had on the rest of the team that they're going to overcome. Ultimately, that's why I think Ryan Zimmerman came back is because, hey, like, this team does need somebody to kind of help guide these players. They're not old enough yet to be themselves core leaders. Um, so I, you know... I think there's a chance the Nationals finish fourth in the division. Like, I'll be the least popular guy to to be you covering the Nationals, but I I think you're right. Like, I think the Phillies, I think the Phillies and the Nationals will be battle, battling for kind of third and fourth. I think the Mets are the real threat. That, that's really what I believe.
1: On paper, I would agree, but the Mets are going to be the Mets, and I, there's a lot of pieces there that don't gel well together. Like, their their infield defense is absolutely atrocious. I mean, trading Jared Kelenic. And taking on Robinson Cano's full contract—it's one of the dumbest moves I've ever seen. Uh, you're talking about a guy that's already old and has no knees, and you traded one of the best prospects in baseball. Uh, they got Jake Mariznick to play center field, but one, Jake Mariznick can't really hit anyway. He's just—he's basically Juan Lagares, who they already had. Uh, and then you talk about when you when you look at uh, Mariznick and uh, what happened last year with Houston. Mariznick was one of the ones that got like the the most bangs on the trash can. It's like twenty-two point two percent of his <laughs> at bats, something something crazy. Um, it depends on. It really depends on you and know, Cespedes. If Cespedes is healthy uh, and he's able to to actually play for a bit, which he's not going to because it's the Mets. I mean, they've got they've got some offensive punch. Jeff McNeil is no joke. Uh, they, they've got some players there, and they that pitching staff. Even though they lost Zach Wheeler, anytime you've got Degrom and Thor right behind him. Marcus Stroman is your third. That, that's that's pretty dang good. Yeah. Uh, they're four and five are trash, but uh, I mean, they're they're hoping for a big bounce back from Rick Porcello. And oh, you, don't uh, the, Waka. you don't
0: believe in you don't believe in I was going to say you don't believe in the acquisition of Michael Walker. Not at all.
1: I am. <laughs> uh, I'm very happy that the Mets took that plunge. I was worried that the Braves would try their reclamation project on Michael Walker, uh, who does not have the stuff, the location or anything else to to look at that. The Nationals – I think the biggest thing for Nationals this year is they're going to have to have some guys play – they're going to have to have some guys overachieve. Right. The problem with them in relation to the Braves – I think Washington has the best staff overall in the division pretty easily. I don't buy into the fact that Scherzer's done or anything like that. I think he was hurt. And Max being Max was not going to skip a game. Um, You saw – gigantic leap from Strasbourg last year not just in the quality Strasburg has always had elite stuff but he's always been super weak mentally last year he was able to kind of put that aside and really take a major step forward as far as establishing himself as as a real pitcher to contend with Patrick Corbin is good I'm not huge into guys that rely on their slider so much but Corbin as a three is really really strong the problem with Washington is going to be depth they don't have any depth and they don't have really any prospects to speak of coming up. You've got Keeboom and you've got uh, uh Luis Garcia and that's really about it. They don't have they don't really have the, the collateral to, to go make one of these trades. Maybe they could get a, a, a Chris Bryant if they're willing to give up uh if they're willing to give up Key Boom, but I don't think they've got they I don't think they've got the prospect capital to get a Nolan Arenado. Certainly not to pull off something crazy and go after like a Matt Chapman type. Uh, I think, I think the Starlin Castro acquisition is a very sneaky acquisition. Right, Castro has hit very well for a long time, and in Miami, your numbers get suppressed because that field is so gigantic. Mm-hmm. So him moving to Washington and getting into a lineup where he's not going to be the the most established hitter in the lineup, where he can kind of lay low a little bit, uh, where he can kind of get the Howie Kendrick experience. I think Starlin Castro is going to have a surprisingly good year. Uh, I've got Washington placing third in the division. I think that I think they'll be over okay. 500. Um, I think the NL East is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I hope. I certainly hope that you're right and that the Braves take this over. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if this were if this were a very tight race into September.
0: All right, your Braves over under win total according to Odd Shark for the year 2020 is 91.5 wins. So I'll ask you, Dylan, over or under?
1: I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna say 94. I think uh, I think they're a much more well-rounded team this year, especially uh, especially in that bullpen. Adding Will Smith and adding, I think the Braves have maybe the best bullpen in all of baseball. Um, but I, I think I think they're good for 94. I don't think they're gonna get to 97 like they did a year ago. Uh, but I think 90. I think just some improvements in the division is gonna take away some of those games. The name of the game is still gonna be beat up on Miami. Which the Braves did very well, um, but I think they're good for ninety-four.
0: And then, final thing, non-Braves related is—is uh, is Kirby Smart just Mark Richt, but a better recruiter? <laughs> Haha! So yeah.
1: This is gonna—this is a, a really important question for a lot of Georgia fans, uh, and I might surprise you. i am i have had this opinion for a long time that uh, Kirby is basically Richt. Uh, there's one game separating them in their careers. The fact that Kirby got to a natty, uh, but in 2012, if there had been a college football playoff at that point, the 2012 Bulldogs would have been in that, in that championship, in the playoff, because the, that game that they lost to Alabama in the ACC title game, that was the de facto national championship. Either one of those squads would have blown the doors off that Notre Dame team. Um, I think Kirby is a fantastic recruiter. I think, Kirby's biggest change is going to have to come in where he's going to have to kind of break away from the Saban thing. Uh, and Saban himself said it. I mean, you see what Kirby did hiring Art Monkin. That's a or Todd Monkin. That's a big step. Um, last year the offense was like everybody liked to blame James Coley. That was all Kirby smart. He mm-hmm. wanted a ball control offense, um, ball control, and get it back to my defense. You can't win in college football with that. That's what you. That's what you run that's what you run to beat more talented teams. That's essentially like running the triple option. I mean, that's what you do if you don't think that your guys can beat theirs. So you want to just run the clock out. Basically. Um, I think with, uh, I think we're going to see this year is, is a big year for Kirby smart because he's been close to that mountain, but they, they kind of regressed the past two seasons. So uh, I'm a big fan of Jamie Newman. I think, honestly, I think the bulldogs are in better hands with Newman than they were from um, as, as weird as that is to say, I think Fromm's uh, a very accurate quarterback. Very
0: Dylan, Dylan, let me tell you something. My father, Wake Forest alum, and I watched them play last year, uh, that guy has a cannon. Extremely accurate
1: downfield. Yep. I think the Braves are I – think, I think Newman is a better fit for college football than Jake Fromm. I think uh, Fromm's a guy that likes to zero in on his guy. That's why you saw Lawrence Cager did so well while when he was healthy, and then you didn't see Pickens really start dominating until – Cager was gone, because Fromm has one guy that he likes to target, and if that target's not there, he's going to throw it away or force it. Uh, not to speak ill of Fromm, because Fromm was definitely better than Jacob Eason, and Fromm was the best quarterback has had, at least since David Green. Maybe maybe you could say Aaron Murray, but there were a lot of things last year that did not sit well with me from a Jake Fromm standpoint, and I don't really feel that Kirby treated Fromm the same way he treated every other quarterback, because I, I can tell you – just from my standpoint, I would not have picked from over Justin Fields.
0: Dylan, next year if you'd like to come meet me in Missouri so you so we can watch your Bulldogs and my Missouri Tigers square off and what should be a, a probably a one-way uh, some one-way traffic for your for your Bulldogs. Uh, thank you Dylan for coming on today. I really enjoyed it. It was fun, man. No problem. Anytime, man.